how to manage your emotions while investing through a pandemic. We're talking about it with the creator of Millennial Money, our co-host today, Grant Sabatier. It is Wednesday, October 7th. Let's talk money with our friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, host of the Financial Grown-Up podcast coming to you from my very grown-up kitchen in New York City. And I'm Grant Sabatier, the author of Financial Freedom and creator of Millennial Money coming to you from Columbus, Ohio. Here on Money with Friends, we talk about the latest personal finance headlines. We add in the insights and wisdom of our fantastic cast of thought leaders, including Grant Sabatier. We mix in questions and comments from our money friends, and then we leave you guys with a takeaway to make it your own. Grant, welcome back. Second show. Glad to be here. Let's do it. You're a veteran now. Yeah, I'm so excited. This is super fun to do a live podcast on my show, Financial Freedom. I've never done a live show, and so this is this is super fun. Creates a, certainly a different energy than I would have expected. Well, we're having the best time having you. Let's see which one of our friends is going to lead us into today's headline. This is Gertrude, room mom over at the Stacking Benjamins Facebook basement group. I just like hanging out and chatting about the news. That's why I tuned into Money with Friends. All right. This headline is from CNBC. It is by Sarah O'Brien. The headline is, here's how to manage your emotions while investing through a pandemic. Who would get emotional grant, right? <laughs> Silly. Absolutely. <laughs> Ha ha ha. All right. Key points of this article here. First of all, your instincts can hurt you when it comes to investing decisions. According to behavioral finance experts, advisors who incorporate this psychology into their practice may have prevented clients from making mistakes during the first quarter market meltdown, according to a study. Here are some of the biases that you should be on the lookout for. And by the way, a lot of these quotes and wisdom are from Brad Klontz, who has been a cast member and is now an alum of Money with Friends. He's a financial psychologist and a certified financial planner. He says you are wired to do the absolute worst thing at every point in the process. I can almost hear Brad saying that. And he says, this is a quote now, when we are scared or excited or anytime we are emotionally charged, we become rationally challenged. Your emotions take over and your thinking brain goes offline. Um, I have a little more to share, but I want to just throw it to, to Grant on that part. Um, any of this sound familiar between you, your friends, your family? Yeah, absolutely. We certainly are our own worst enemies, but I tend to disagree with most behavioral economists. I've had a number of the most popular ones in the world on my podcast, and a lot of them base their assumptions off of very, very limited studies that discredit the fact that some people are actually good at managing money and the best way to get better at managing money and your emotions isn't to set up systems in place. It's actually to have a better relationship with money. And so all the advice is that you shouldn't look at your investments, that you should stay out of your stock app, you should turn off the financial news, and that you should ignore all the noise because it's the noise that makes you go crazy. The market's going up, the market's going down, I need to sell. You know, We get so overtaken by that news. But I actually tend to believe the opposite is that the more time you spend with your money, the easier it is to have a better relationship with it. So for a while, it's pretty wild. You have the ups and the downs and things are crazy. But after you've gone through a few of those cycles and you realize that they're irrational, then it's easier 
to manage your money. And so I actually encourage people to spend five minutes a day checking their investments, checking their net worth. And when they feel bad, just feeling it and asking yourself why you feel bad that your portfolio went down. And if you go through that a couple of times, then the fifth time that it happens, you're going to be comfortable with that feeling because you know what it is and you know how to name it. And so instead of spending less time with your money, I actually recommend that you spend more time with it, which tends to go counter to the traditional wisdom. So what was your mindset like in March when the market was kind of cratering? I was actually pretty excited when the market was cratering, to be honest with you, because I'd been sitting on a fair amount of cash that as the market started dropping, I actually started buying. So I, I can't say that I put all of my cash into the market, but it actually also gave me an opportunity to rebalance my portfolio because over the years, while I'm a big fan of index fund investing, my individual stock holdings had gotten out of whack. And so my asset allocation was really kind of wonky where I had too many individual stocks. And so it was actually the perfect time to liquidate some of those and then buy the market on the downswing and then the upswing. And so I, I was excited about it. I, I was a little concerned uh, for a minute, but it's one of those things where if the market dropped 80% or the stock market completely crashed, we'd have bigger problems than you know our portfolios. And so I knew that the government was likely to step in and intervene. And it's one of those things where I knew because of the pandemic, it was gonna be crazy for a while, but I'm a long-term investor, and so I'm looking out 10, 20, 30 years and knew that we'd get out of this. We've gotten out of every situation before, and if we weren't going to get out of it, my money was going to be the least of my worries. Oh, wow. That's Yeah, that's a really good point. I want to just do a few more points from this piece because I want to get your take on it. There are a lot of things that this piece from CNBC talks about that can impact your decision-making because of a bias. So for example, recency bias that we're often very easily influenced by the most recent events or experiences. We all have short-term memories, um, loss aversion. Sometimes people are so worried about losing money that they don't necessarily make the best decision. And then also familiarity bias, preference to invest in things that are familiar to them. What resonates there with you, Grant? Yeah, I think it all comes down to fear. And we're naturally afraid of so many things in our life. And we know that losing money feels two times as worse as making money feels good. And so naturally, our brains are wired to fear loss more than we are to be excited about gains. This is just a natural evolutionary development in our brain. And you know you have to give us some credit, just given the remarkable world that we as humans have built. But we do have to re realize that any scientist will tell you that we only use you know ten to twelve percent of our brain capacity, and so we're very limited in our own decision making, and often get in our own way. But the better we understand ourselves, and I view investing as the perfect opportunity to increase your self-awareness. It's one of those things where if you're feeling something, there's a reason you're feeling that. And think about why you're feeling that. Why is it something in the past that happened to you? Is it something uh, that your parents said growing up? Is it something that your friends say? Because a lot of fear comes down to lack of having the right information and then number two, just not having had that experience before. And so investing naturally becomes easier the more experience that you have with money. And so that's one of those things where 
fear, the only way to get through fear is to take some risk. And the only way that your money can grow, the only reason there's the potential for it to go up is because there's risk for it to go down. And when you look over a longer period, like any 20 or 30 year increment, a vast majority of times in history, the market goes up and the market has always gone up over the long term. And so realizing that you're in it for the long game and that the one thing you shouldn't do is just stay on the sidelines, but you should also just separate your long-term and your short-term investments and have different strategies for each of those. Do you think that the rise of the robo-advisors is helpful or hurts this kind of situation? That people might just assume that the robo is kind of taking care of it, but then they're not getting this sort of closeness to their money that you're talking about. Should they be then, is this then a case for the active investor, active money manager that you can call and can maybe talk you off the ledge? Yeah. So I, I view most financial planners as glorified babysitters, which is fine. <laughs> but some people I've, might need a babysitter grant. Absolutely. And I've needed a babysitter at times. I've paid for fee-only financial advisors uh, a couple of times in my life because I needed to be talked uh, talked down from making a decision. So I think massive amount of value there. But it's something where, you know, if, you, if you're, you know, when you're a little kid and you touch the hot stove two times and you got burned you know, if you touch it a third time, you know, that's on you. And I think money is very similar in the sense that once you make a couple of dumb mistakes and you realize what they are and you're honest with yourself about them, uh, th th then being able to move on. So I think robo advisors are, are, are great if they help you sleep at night and their cost structure doesn't cost you too much money that ultimately ends up hurting your return. So I'm, I'm pro robo advisor in that sense. Uh, but any area of your life that you outsource and you give up some power control and responsibility, you need to be very, very careful about that, especially when it comes to money. Understand what you're invested in, how those platforms work, how much you're being charged. And as long as you're aware of those and you realize the trade-off that you're making, it's up to you to make that calculation whether or not it's valuable or not. But often investing and continuing to invest in stocks, bonds, and real estate. It's the frequency and the consistency over time that's going to help you get ahead. It's not trying to time the market. It's not. It's just continuing to do and make those good decisions that ultimately help you get out of your own way and add up to substantial gains over time. Before we run out of time, I do want to get to some of our money friends' um, comments here. We did put out on Instagram, we asked them to share tips on staying calm when the market is not calm. And I think, Grant, you're going to have some strong reactions to some of these. Be nice. These are our, This is our audience. Be nice. Um, we have Marsha saying, ask a trusted loved one to change your brokerage passwords. What do you think about that advice? That's not staying close to your money, Grant. I know. You know, I in that question, I hear a, in that question I hear a level of self awareness, okay. where someone's identified their own weakness, and so that's important. So if that's what you feel like needs to be done, then you should follow that. And if you know that you're gonna, you know, grab three cookies out of the cookie jar every time that you walk by, you know, putting a lock on the cookie jar and giving the key to your partner or someone else. Is, is probably a wise decision. And so knowing that about yourself, I'm not saying everyone should look at their money every day. I just think that that's a viable path over time because you might not always have that person to give your passwords to or that key to. And eventually you're going to have to confront 
yourself and realize, okay, I'm going to have to make this change. But as you're building up to that, certainly give your brokerage passwords to someone else <laughs> if you feel like that's what you need to do. Right. You got to do what you got to do. All right. We have another one from A Locard. Don't consume a lot of media. There's a line between staying informed and obsessing. Yeah. This is one of those areas where I think focusing your media consumption around perhaps a couple companies that you're really interested in or a couple companies that you want to invest in as opposed to looking at broad knowledge as a whole no one can predict the future and oftentimes you know the media stories are about someone trying to predict the future and you can't do that with the stocks everything is irrational so knowing that and also the fact that the media landscape is designed to get you to click and, you know, we're in the media space and to get you to pay attention. And so you can get those ad dollars. And I think just even in the past couple of years, a lot because of social media, because of, you know, everyone has news on Twitter 24 seven in their pocket. I think a lot of the financial media specifically has just gotten worse at their jobs. And so everyone writes the same story. Everyone's saying the same thing. And so that, you know, finding someone that you really trust, like if you know a writer or journalist that you really trust and just reading them because you like the way that they see the world, it is a much better strategy than trying to consume media as a whole. Find the reputable sources that add value to your life and then tune everything else out. Yeah. Avoid those clickbaity headlines. Absolutely. Um, and we have from Casey, your engineer, a safeguard, have a system slash process in place now so that you have a plan. So I think that's also good advice. Grant? Yeah. So automation is is certainly important. That's why engineers tend to be really good at managing money is because they can build those systems and processes. But I think you know, it's one of those things like being a painter, you know, investing, managing money, it's both an art and a science. And so you can get that science piece, you can make sure that a certain amount is put being put into your 401k, or your IRA, but there is a little bit of art to it as well. And that art piece comes down to how is the market changing? You know, are you happy with your investment strategy? Is it helping you accomplish your goals? Because a lot of people get stuck on their systems, and then they trap themselves because they're too afraid. This happens a lot in the pursuit of financial independence where people make a lot of headway the first year or two and then something happens in their life. Someone loses their job or someone gets sick or a big expense comes up and all of a sudden their path is completely derailed and they feel guilty about now being off the path and bad uh, because of what's happened in their life when so much of, of strong financial management and just life planning is about pivoting and, uh, you know, realizing, uh, controlling what you can control and then adapting to the things that you can't. And so often systems are bad at doing that because you're not able to pivot if you need to. It's important to have that flexibility. Hold that thought, Grant. Grant, what is your takeaway from this CNBC story about controlling our emotions when we're investing in, ooh, a pandemic that we never saw coming? Yeah. So first off, I want to give a shout out to our crowd, big fan of what they do and their platform. Um, so check it out. Uh, when it comes to investing in a pandemic, I, I think your strategy should be the same as it's always been, which is try to invest as much money as you can early and often. And I always say that you're, the next five to seven years of your financial life are the most important. And 
that matters now more than ever, meaning the money that you invest today could double, triple, quadruple, even in the next 10 or 15 years. And so the longer that you aren't investing, the less potential your money has. And so it's so valuable to get money, making money, get the money compounding, because compounding accelerates over time. And you want the market to go down. The market going down means that the market is healthy. It can't go up all the time. And if you're able to buy when it goes down or when it's more volatile, even better, you're getting in at a lower rate, which when we when we look back on this episode in 10 years, we're going to be kicking ourselves because we didn't invest more just given what the market is. The stock market always goes up over time, over a long period of time. And so it's about time in the market, not timing the market, as they always say. So keep at it. Pay attention to writers that you like. Tune out everyone else. Stick with your strategy, but don't be afraid to adapt. And the most important thing is the percentage of your income that you are saving and investing, because that is what's going to compound into freedom in the future. I like that. And that goes so well with your financial freedom philosophy of all of your writing. So thank you for that, Grant. I think it's also important. One thing we didn't talk about is how you frame um, your approach to investing. And one of the important things is to think about, so you might say, okay, don't be biased and only invest in things that you know, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't invest in things that you know. And it, it, we also didn't get to this, but you know, it talks about don't put things in certain buckets and then just lock them away. You can put things in buckets, but you need to pay attention to every bucket and make the appropriate decision for that bucket. Even though one might be retirement, one might be saving for a child's school, one might just be a vacation fund. Pay attention to each bucket and make the appropriate decisions. When we talk about set it and forget it, sometimes it's misunderstood. What we mean is set the fact that you're contributing constantly on a regular basis, dollar cost averaging into the market, or at least into a fund if you want to build up some cash as granted to then invest. That doesn't mean forget what the investment is in. You can be paying attention to how you're investing your money and constantly as granted rebalancing and thinking about how you are allocating your financial resources. So it's set it and forget it in terms of making sure there's some kind of automation that money is going into savings and money is automatically going towards your financial goals. But that doesn't mean you ignore what's going on in the world. It's okay to be paying attention and be cognizant. Just don't, you know, make overly emotional decisions, make rational decisions that are right for you. Did I do okay, Grant? No, I know it's great. I think, you know, I always get on David Bach for this because it's kind of like automation is level one. It's kind of the status quo. You know, it's, it's learning how to ride a bike Whereas after you learn the fundamentals of how to ride a bike, that's when you can really have some joy and fun riding. And so it's it's learning those fundamentals and evolving beyond that because set it and forget it leads to complacency. It leads to um, lack of familiarity. There's a lot of people when I talk to and I ask them what they invest in, the only answer they have is a 401k. They don't know what's in their 401k. And when they say what's in their 401k, oftentimes I know they don't really understand what they're invested in. And so knowing what you're invested in, how much you're putting towards your investments, and then not settling, you know, going in every 30 days and increasing 
increasing your contribution of your salary percentage 1%. That's a recommendation I often make. You're not going to feel it. And by the end of the year, you're going to be saving 12 more percent of your income. You're going to reach financial independence a decade faster just from making that one simple decision. And that's how you make those big gains in your life because 1% every 30 days or 60 days over a period of three or four years you're going to be saving 30, 40% of your income, and you're not even going to have noticed because you're going to have increased those increments in such small amounts. And that's something you really can't automate. That's something you got to go in and do yourself and push your own limits uh, a little bit, and then you're going to be so much better off for it. So thank you so much for all of this incredible advice. Grant, you're going to be back with us in about four weeks to tape to uh, record another couple shows in a row. And until then, where can people follow you and keep up with all of your stuff? You have some big announcements coming that we cannot reveal yet. You're killing me. Um, But if they follow you, they can hear about it. Yeah, check uh, at Millennial Money Com on Instagram, at Millennial Money on Twitter, grantsabatier.com and then millennialmoney.com. Those are all good places to find me and stay tuned. I'm excited to come back. This was a lot of fun. I can think of you know a few <laughs> you know things I'd rather be doing on a Monday than than hanging out here and uh, you know sh- sharing this wisdom. And so th- thanks for having me on. This is a lot of fun. Well, we've had a wonderful time having you. Everyone, you can find out more about Grant and all of our other um, new season co-hosts. We're rolling out first shows with all of them, first and second shows the next few weeks. Um, They're amazing. We have such a great group. Just go to moneywithfriendspodcast.com to read all about them. And you can get links to the articles that we discuss on the shows right there on the schedule. Just go to the calendar on the date that the show debuted. You can also get links on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, search for Money With Friends. And please follow us on Instagram at Money friends pod that is also our handle on instagram grant we'll see you in a few weeks thanks so much for being here yep see you soon bye this show's created and hosted by us joe salcihai and bobby rebel and it's edited and produced by ashley wall money with friends is a product of money with friends llc copyright 2020 For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast and links to the stories discussed, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at moneyfriendspod on both Instagram and Twitter. Look out for our polls and quizzes. You could get a shout out on the show. We're well worth following. We promise. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or or any other videos or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor. These people on this episode, they're here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Bobby. I'm Joe. We'll see you here back next time with another episode of Money with Friends. Bam, nailed it.